It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Vera Sharav, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, you are so welcome and a huge honor. Thrill. I've had some extraordinary guests on my podcast, Vera, probably more than 170 now. And I've got to say, this is one that I have been looking forward to the most. Where do we even start? Maybe I should ask you, for people that have never heard about you and your background, in in a couple of minutes, how would you describe that to them? At this point, uh, to my great surprise, I'm in the middle of a war, and I have to do my part to wake people up to recognize that we are in a war, a war to save Western civilization. It's that enormous. Uh, And why do I say that? Well, I was in another war that was also sort of meant to be a world war, but it didn't quite make it into a world war. It was a European war, World War II. The Nazis had their sights on the world as well, but they focused on Europe, and it was when the United States went into the war against them that they lost. And Vera is a Russian name, but you are you have a Jewish background. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jewish, and I was born in Romania. Uh, and in 1941, my family and I were evacuated from Romania. We were chased out and we were deported to a concentration camp in Ukraine. And then what happened? Uh, My father died there of the infectious disease typhus, which was rampant in all the concentration camps and ghettos. Uh, I lived there, if you can call it living, but I was there for three years. And in 1944, when the Nazis were implementing what they called the final solution, which was the gassing of European jewelry, uh, my mother got wind of a possibility for my being rescued. There were orphans 
were being rescued. It was some sort of a deal that the Romanian government made because they realized that the Nazis were losing the war and they wanted to distance themselves. They sort of wanted to extricate. And so they uh, allowed uh, some 1,200 or something like that Jewish orphans under the age of 12 to return to Romania as if it had been a big mistake. This was a ruse, and I'm sure money exchanged, you know, we were essentially bartered. So my mother lied. She lied to save my life. She said I was an orphan. So, and after that, I had a 10-month odyssey in which I was essentially a child without parents, without someone to take care of me. And I had to learn how to assess people, people whom I thought I could trust. And I found such people, and that helped me to survive. Uh, eventually, uh, after the 10 months, uh, I went to Israel. At that time, it wasn't yet the state of Israel, uh, but that was in 1944. And then what happened? Well, it wasn't so simple, you know, 10 months being a child alone, and I was very little. I didn't grow in the camp in the whole three years. I left with the same coat that I came in. So starvation, you know, has its uh, outcomes. Um, But as I said, I learned how to assess people is very important. Um, For example, one point I was sick and I was sitting aside. I I didn't do well with my so-called peers. You know, children bully, especially I was little, and I didn't trust. I always trusted adults. So I had to use my own judgment, my own intuition about people. This the memory of that came back very strongly now during COVID because people are masked. Children can't read people's emotions. They can't read their lips. They can't, nobody smiles at you. That's a terrible, terrible deprivation. Uh, I also learned a lesson which again came up now. Um, I was disobedient to authority. Yeah. At six and a half, I disobeyed authority. It saved my life. So that came back now, too, because the worst thing about this COVID pandemic, pandemic is the obedience that they have been able to impose on the whole Western world. That is the tragedy, really, because if people stopped obeying, they have no power. They have, and absolutely, with all their money and all their resources, if people stop obeying, it's over. I knew there was many, many things about you, Vera, that I absolutely adored. (laughs) 
<laughs> and and it, the the aversion to authority is something that really resonates with me, and I would attribute it to saving my life in in its own way with regards to my health, and then also then after this whole mandate vaccine stuff, right? So mm-hmm. we're we're, we're going to jump right, and we're gonna we're gonna peel the bandaid off and really just let loose because the reason why. I I was so interested to have you on the show is because you have experienced firsthand the Holocaust. You were, you were alive and you still clearly remember what happened. And, and the issue that you are experiencing is that it's look, it's looking like it's going to happen again. Uh, You know, thinking people survivors, from early on, realized, for example, there was an Italian uh, writer, and he was a chemist as well, Primo Levi. And he very early on, he said, it happened. Therefore, it can happen again. It can happen everywhere. And what we have been seeing, these two and a half, getting close to three years, is precisely how it can happen again. Uh, you know, the the fact that people allowed those in power to take away all their rights, our civil liberties, our legal rights, constitution was set aside, all freedoms were just swept aside and we're expected to obey even the most ridiculous, harmful, edicts and restrictions. I mean, it's inhumane to have segregated and isolated the elderly. This was part of a preparation to kill them. And then the orders came not to treat them. Hospitals were ordered not to treat them. Uh, Yeah. The, you know, the, I used to say that what was unique about the Holocaust compared to other genocides, and we've had a lot of genocide, is the close um, collaboration by the medical establishment. That was unique. And this is happening now. That's where the parallel is closest. Public health becomes weaponized. Medicine becomes weaponized. Because medicine, doctors are supposed to go by the Hippocratic Oath. That is a healing mission. They are sworn, used to be sworn anyway, first do no harm. You don't, you don't prescribe medicines or any products, medical products, that you're not sure are safe. And that's precisely what has been totally swept aside and doctors are telling people, urging people, even urging them to deliver their children. The children have are not at any risk from this coronavirus. It so happens God gave them immunity from this virus. How about that? And they're trying to 
No, no, this is very, very important. Yeah. We don't know. No one can explain why children. It's sort of their their immune system seems to kick this thing just out without any problems. And yet parents are being even bribed. In some states, they're bribed. What you, kind of a society, you know? Vera, do you are you aware of much of the um, biology side of the the reasons why people, some more more than others, are, are impacted by COVID itself? Right? Are you, have you done any work on that? Sure. Yeah, low immune system. If they if their immune system is weak uh, because they've got all kinds of other illnesses or because they have taken the wrong drugs and they're depleted, then they are at risk. They're at risk of a cold and they certainly would be at risk of influenza. But, you know, miraculously, in 2021 and 2022, no flu. It's disappeared. <laughs> Every yeah. year, they, you know, thousands of people, yeah, elderly doctors, and suddenly it disappeared. Mm -mm. So, so one of the things that I learned from a, a gentleman, Tucker uh, Goodrich, he's a, a he's a researcher, and he he was sharing with me. He's a smart guy, and he was talking about there's the two things, the two main contributing factors that are causing people to get really ill and to die from being infected with COVID, right? And it's and it's the first one that everyone knows about the comorbidities and the other stuff. But the second thing that he brought up, there seems to be some pretty good science coming out, says, suggesting that the the excessive buildup of linoleic acid or omega six, which is known as like the uh, the seed oils that that are prolific in our diet, canola, rice bran, safflower, which GMO were GMO stuff, stuff right? And and it's not the actual COVID that kills them; it's the inflammatory, the cytokine storm from the reaction to the to the infection, which we know now was made in a laboratory, right? And and you look back at the roots of how these seed oils came into our diet, and our, it was all through bribery and and the bastardization of studies and all this other fascinating stuff, and I. You've really started to make me think, and and uh, and I want to get you to talk about the Spanish flu for a minute because a lot of people immediately revert back to the success that the vaccine had for the Spanish flu. Can you elaborate on that for us? It wasn't Spanish, didn't emanate in Spain, and there was no influenza. What was it then? It was a bacterial infection which was caused by an experimental vaccine which was developed by and tested by and disseminated by the Rockefeller Institute of Research which is today Rockefeller University they uh you see what happened was that suddenly you know before, just before the United States entered the war, 1917, they recruited suddenly millions 
of troops. And the Rockefeller Institute researchers said, wow, this is an opportunity to test out some of our products. And that's exactly what they did. And even as soldiers began to get sick, they sent them off to Europe. And in those crowded ships, it started to spread. And in the trenches and on and on, that's what happened. There are a few books written. Um, McBead is her name. I've got her first name. She was an African-American, 13-year-old at the time in New York. And she afterwards became a doctor. And she describes what happened. How pe- And they did the same horrific stuff that they did now. They It became really, it was the model. They had to wear masks. They were isolated. Schools, shops churches, everything was closed. It was the same stuff. And even at that time, in 1918, there was a study of hospital workers comparing those with the masks and those without. And guess what? No difference. So, And it's been consistent. There are hundreds of studies by now. They knew that this does, doesn't in any way protect you, particularly from airborne. These masks, are, they're essentially receptacles for dirt. I mean, Dr. Michael Yeadon called it a Petri dish. <laughs> you, yeah, because you are constantly breathing out carbon dioxide and a few other poisons that you should be, you know, spitting out and whatever. It all goes into the, the the mask, and you keep on wearing it. So you're poisoning yourself. There's absolutely nothing positive about it. And they mixed it up with the masks that surgeons wear during operations. But they're not wearing it for any airborne. They're wearing a mask because when you open somebody up, all kinds of things, pus and, and infected blood and all sorts of things splatter. It's for the splattering, not not for the airborne. So, and you know the 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 that vaccine, even when they knew, and by now there are articles admitting that ninety seven percent of those who died didn't die from any influenza, it was from the bacteria, the bacterial infection. They then exported it to European countries. Before that, you see, while the soldiers were in the trenches in the United States, there was a big campaign to have everybody vaccinated. And McBean, she writes in her book that her family didn't vaccinate. So they were the only ones in the neighborhood who were not sick. So her parents went and helped because no doctors would show up. It was so scary. So they went from house to house and helped people, and they never got infected. Never got infected. They stayed healthy. Was it was the was it bacterial meningitis? Was the yeah the thing? Yeah. yeah. 
So this is interesting because uh, when I was nearly four, Vera, I came down with a very severe case of bacterial meningitis and I nearly died. Oh, and, because- and and I and but I also came out the other side of it unscathed. I never had any side effects. And if you know anyone that knows anything about bacterial meningitis, you're likely to lose limbs, severe brain damage. Although some of my primary school teachers might argue that there's some lingering brain damage no, based well. on my, my my school results. But um I am trying to link it back, and I believe that it happened not long after I received some of my childhood immunizations. And there seems to be a correlation with rare cases of people coming down with bacterial meningitis from the what measles, mumps, and rubella became, because that came a little bit later in the in the eighties. Yeah. I was born in nineteen eighty, and I was, you know, it was nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty three when I had meningitis. Well, the eighties was when the uh, childhood schedule started to expand, where now it's it's completely outrageous. And and maybe that's where my skepticism has come from with regards to this, because long before the the COVID situation happened, I had uh, an incurable autoimmune disease that I was assured by twenty medical experts that was incurable, and I cured it by cutting gluten and refined carbohydrates out of my diet. And uh, <laughs> and isn't it funny? Because then then I was pissed, Vera, and I get the feeling you're pissed. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things really, I mean, it isn't coincidence that it's the Rockefeller Institute because the Rockefellers, since 1913, they essentially, actually, they commissioned a book, um, Flexner Report, 1910, which essentially provided the, the okay to dictate what medical schools teach. They got rid of most of the homeopathic and alternative treatments, which had been very, very, and you know, to some extent still are popular. But at that time, it was really much more than, it was much more respectable. And they got rid of it. They got rid of most, not all of the, medical schools for African-Americans where they were teaching their own people, you know, where whites didn't want to go to the communities, to the black communities. So they got rid of them. So that's when you had worse medical care for blacks. And that's why it's not only Tuskegee, but that's a big thing as well that makes African-Americans very suspicious of public health and doctors. And they have every right to be. Um, So the taking over of medicine, of the medical practice, the purpose of that was to get rid of all these natural medicines and cures and have it dictated by pharmaceuticals, which began at that time in Germany to be developed. And at that time, those pharmaceuticals were all based on oil. And guess who had the monopoly on oil by then? Rockefeller. And 
he was really like an evil demon, John D. Rockefeller. He was very smart. He said that competition is a sin. Okay? Monopoly is the only way to go. So he already had a monopoly on oil and gas. But there were, there was step oil that there was no use for. So he found all kinds of industries to use that what would have been discarded, the pharmaceuticals, and then it was the plastic industry. And one after another, take over. And, you know, he he was the wealthiest man in America and would be in the world very early on. And he and a group of others who, you know, were then called really the robber barons. And there was a reason they called them the robber barons. They did. They robbed industries. They robbed countries. And they were involved, by the way. They financed and aided and abetted with industrial means the Nazis. Direct, direct involvement. Of course, they made millions in doing that. You know, it's a two-way thing. Hitler would not have been able ever to be, to conduct both a world war and the Holocaust. He didn't have the means. He didn't have the ammunition. He didn't have the tanks. He did, And he certainly didn't have what IBM provided, which was the technology to round up, to identify, round up, deport, and then label, you know, the ID, the numbers that Auschwitz people had. Those were IBM identification numbers. So now when they talk, you know, in New York, Governor Cuomo had made contract with IBM, the green passport, Excelsior passport. So just imagine what that tells me right away, you know. Is the link between the Rockefeller Foundation and and the Nazis the the common the commonality with eugenics with what eugenics eugenics oh, of course of course of course of course would you would you explain what eugenics is for people that have never heard the term yeah the the reason they haven't heard the term is because after the Nazi atrocities came to light the public light eugenics went you know went underground and they changed the name. Okay, so it's genetics, it's bioethics instead of real ethics, but it never really went away. So eugenics is an elitist ideology that puts a value on people, puts a value on human beings, and eugenicists see the upper class as entitled to their wealth and station in life. And they want to reduce the population of the underclass. That's most of us. And this has, this 
has this is the real virus that poisons and has poisoned then and now continues to poison especially the public health sector as well as you know the oligarchs now we have you know a whole army of oligarchs you know they're globalists they want to eliminate at this point most of the human population and make uh, others, those who are left, slaves to tend to their needs. They've also come up now, they've gone beyond the original eugenics, which by the way, I mean, it stems from the animal um, survival of the fittest, Darwin. They apply it to people. And it is a pseudoscience. It is, it's absolutely garbage. But they believe it. They believe that they're superior. We, we really, most people can't fathom that there are people in very high positions with a lot of wealth who truly, they believe that they are superior. They are entitled to rule the rest of us. And this is what's happened now as well. And we saw it. The elderly were discarded. They absolutely slaughtered them in March and April of 2020. When governments in Western Europe, Australia, Canada, and at least five states in the United States, ordered hospitals not to treat the elderly. Send them to nursing homes. The fact that this was not, had nothing to do with overcrowded hospitals and all that has been proven. In New York, for example, you know, at that time, Trump, he sent a big marine ship with outfitted with, with even um, surg surgical theater, you know, and also the Javits Institute was turned into a hospital. They never used it. They never used it. It remained empty throughout. Most hospitals were empty. They sent people who were infected just to a few hospitals. So those were crowded, and that was where all the hullabaloo. But what did they do in the hospitals? It was a murderous protocol. The ventilators. The ventilators were killing people. They weren't saving anybody. And they couldn't have not known it since they were using them and they were losing the patients. But hospitals were getting bonuses for every dead COVID patient. So they made sure that they died. This was absolutely a plan. Now, Governor Cuomo, who was the governor then in New York, he even predicted before he gave the order to hospitals, he predicted this virus in nursing homes will be like fire through dry grass. Then he gave immunity to the hospitals and to the nursing homes, and he gave the order. He's a mass murderer. More than 15,000 elderly New Yorkers were wiped out. Vera, you, the... the the information that you share for people that have not heard this before 
is 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 rather unbelievable if i go back to my own you know learning about this and it's taken me a few years to wrap my head around some of this stuff what makes you if i could play devil's advocate for a second what makes you a credible source to know this only that i recognize the signals and i know history both the history that i lived but beyond my personal history i know the history of the period and i see the continuity of policies uh the nazis actually the first medical murder victims under the nazis were not the jews they were german they were german infants and young children under the age of 3 Their crime was that they weren't perfect. They were disabled in some way. So they they lied to the families, they took the children away. They lied to them and told them they would get special treatment to improve their health. They set up eventually they set up six hospitals that became killing stations. when they expanded to older children and then to the mentally ill and then the nursing home residents they called all of these worthless eaters and they wanted to get rid of the economic burden well guess what that's exactly what happened in 2020 they wanted to get rid of the economic burden of the elderly who had worked all their lives and now medicare and insurance companies didn't want to have to pay out so i observe and you ask i don't think that you need expertise to be aware of your surroundings of your world of what's going on the problem is though they unleashed just as the nazis had to they used the same technology they used the technique of instilling fear this time it was fear of a virus that never before been um and propaganda the airwaves the television is constantly accelerating the fear by telling you horrible stories telling you how many people are dying how many cases that was not, it, they've been lying to us to the public since march for sure everything they told us was a lie social distancing all these different things none of that had any positive effect but it had great great negative effect just think about how they destroyed the middle class with their shops businesses closed they couldn't afford the rents and they there was a huge transfer of wealth you know trillion dollars would change hands um they did a lot of things that were similar including when you know remember we had the riots in the center cities looting and burning well that real estate that was all in shambles was scooped up by those in the know for you know for practically nothing the same thing happened in Nazi Germany at the time uh 
No, it's it's very chilling when you do recognize. And so, number one, it's chilling. But number two, I'm speaking out because others are not allowed to touch the subject, not, not allowed to make to the suggestion that there are parallels here and that we can recognize them. So that's why I'm, you know, in demand for to speak to people because others are not allowed to. Why not? The idea of censorship, again, that that was, you know, at that time it was ironclad censorship. Anybody who uh, said anything outside of the government-approved narrative would be sent to a concentration camp. There were a lot of political prisoners. Vera, can I ask you a personal question? I guess you can. <laughs> how, <laughs> old you? Answer it. <laughs> how old? How old are you? How old are you? Oh, you see. Okay, we get to that. I'll tell you. No, <laughs> no. I'll, and I'll tell you a story. Really, the truth, which is, until now, until COVID, until I'm going as a spokesperson about the Holocaust, I would never have told you. I mean, I, you know, I've come. Really, I'm from a generation that didn't let it all hang out. I mean, no, no, no. But I have to maintain my credibility. So I was born in April 1937. I'm 85. Well, you look fantastic for those who are listening. You you have the, the vigor and the youth of a young woman. But I, the reason I wanted to ask was at 85, why do you care so much? I do. I don't want to I don't want to leave this world in the turmoil that you know that it was then. And I do fear that unless people, the millions, the billions of people, billions we need to wake up and to march and say, no, we won't obey. That's the way to kill it. That's the only way. It didn't happen, you know, then. There was Tiny little groups. There was a White Rose, which was a few university students. All they did was hand out some leaflets reminding people this isn't the way our world should be. They beheaded them in a guillotine. I don't want it to get to that point here now. That's one. How, how close to that point do you think we are right now? We're at a very dangerous threshold. We're at a precipice. I I just listened to uh, somebody from the Netherlands who described, I mean, look, the very fact that they are, they've gotten the Western countries to march in lockstep. Lockstep was a Rockefeller uh, Foundation publication. 2010, where they essentially laid out just exactly what was done. The masks, the closing down of the economy, the whole bit. Uh, This is a big planned demolition, and that's what they did first. Now they, then they went, you know, then it was the vaccine mandates. And they are trying to go much further. They want to eliminate all nation states. One world government is their goal. And they are busy implementing that. This lawyer 
from the Netherlands described the kind of treaties and directives that through the World Health Organization that uh, the Netherlands, well, they're a tax haven. So that's one reason that some, you know, all kinds of things happen there. Same thing in Belgium. There, You know, those little countries have certain uh, regulatory things that the globalists like. So, and, you know, in Switzerland has always been the money laundering. But what they're doing is they are going, they're making treaties and, and issuing all kinds of directives that are way beyond and against constitutional independence. It's like a fait accompli. That's the way they operate. And they are, they work in unison. And what you don't know is like, what what deals are underneath that? What brought that about? Why are people, officials in independent countries and nations giving away, <laughs> the, you know, what belongs to the people? So can I ask you a question regarding that? Because I'm fascinated to know why people like Trudeau and Ardern and Scott Morrison and, you know, Macron and Boris Johnson, do you think that they've been compromised or have been bought off? Or like no, given, a, given an option to you either roll with this or we're going to take you out? I think it's a combination. First of all, they, uh, many of the heads of state now are graduates of the <laughs> Young People's World Economic Forum, like a school. I think it, I'm not sure how many years they they went through. Yeah, a process, and that also yeah. So that's number one. So they're already they're committed, and they they know the how to take orders from above and carry it out and get it all done without a peep from the people. The other thing is, yeah, I mean, a lot of this, and I am fascinated by a um, documentary. I'm not sure when it was done, but it's about the change after the Nazis, how, what happened, what did, the United States do. And eventually what wound up eventually was they used mafia techniques, assassinations. And the assassinations that have been done under this kind of thing is exactly the way the mafia open, you know, in broad daylight. You know, whether restaurant, you know, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, nothing, you know, kind of interesting because part of assassinations, and we've had presidents knocked out, is to scare others. This is what we can do, and we can get away with it. It's a lot of history has been buried. People 
don't have a clue because it's been buried. And because we've been given a bill of goods to believe a bill. I mean, does anyone really believe that this guy Osborne killed JFK all by himself? Oswald, yeah. Uh, and then he was knocked out right on television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hey, you know, those are the kind of things. And, you know, uh, World War One began with an assassination. I forgot uh, the Austrian, whatever. You see, this is a, in other words, it's a tried kind of method of doing things right in the open and nobody ever gets called on it nobody ever gets well i want to talk about two two other things before we finish today vera if that's okay Okay. i want to i want to bring out this the nuremberg book the 75th anniversary edition that's just been released this year and and i want to quote you unless all of us resist never again is now Mm -hmm. unless all of us resist never again is now that's right. And this this was from a speech you did in Nuremberg early this year for the 75th uh, anniversary. People hear the word Nuremberg and the Nuremberg um, trials a lot, but I don't think many people actually know what it is. Are you able to explain to the layman what the Nuremberg trials were and, and what the Nuremberg Code's all about? Okay. We put out that, by the way, uh, that people can download the Nuremberg Code at, at Nuremberg 75 dot com it's and translated 11 languages and all that because we realize people don't know what's in it it is in a sense like the bill of rights uh for medicine and the norm okay so first of all at the end of world war ii when the germany lost the war and it was three countries that essentially three armed forces and then the those three nations, which was uh, the UK, the Soviet Union, and the United States. They were the allies against the Nazi forces. It was then decided to put some of the Nazis on trial. And the particular there were several trials, but the one that I zero in on, because that's what the Nuremberg Code applies to, was the doctor's trial. Now, this never happened before or since, where doctors were held accountable for their actions. And when the atrocities came out through testimonies and documents, the Jurors in the Nazi trials were American. It was a military tribunal with input from doctors. This was a uh, watershed. I mean, this was really something that had never happened. And what happened, too, was that they realized, okay, the The code, first of all, is attached to the verdict. And since that has never been questioned, it stands. It's legally in effect today. Trouble is that not enough lawyers have used it 
to make their case. When it was used, it stood. And in the United States in federal court, it has stayed. Uh, what they realized was that it wasn't enough to punish, you know, and this really, it was only a few of the perpetrators, very, very, it's a minuscule number that were put on trial. But nevertheless, some doctors were hung for their crimes. Then the Nuremberg Code was formulated so that atrocities, medical atrocities, would never again happen. The doctors would no longer ever be able to do that because they will be held accountable, criminally liable. And the first and foremost, now this is 10 principles, just like the 10 commandments. And just like the 10 commandments, you cannot change a word. You can't pussyfoot. You can't soften. You can't change a word of the Nuremberg Code. The first foremost principle is voluntary informed consent is absolutely essential. No ifs, no buts. The Nuremberg Code stands in effect in wartime and in peace. So when you say pandemic, makes no difference. The COVID requirement of these injections, these experimental injections, is the biggest violation ever of the Nuremberg Code. And we suggest that people download it, read it. You'll be able to understand it. That's one of the beautiful things about the Nuremberg Code. It's written in language that everybody can understand. You do not need a PhD. You do not need to be a lawyer. It is Now, the beauty of it is you show that when they try to force you to take a shot, you know, a jab or whatever. You want to know all that you're entitled to know because it spells out you're supposed to be told everything, what's in it, what the risks are, what is known, what may be, everything, the ingredients. Today, there isn't a doctor in this country or anywhere else who even knows what it is they're injecting into people. That's a violation of the Nuremberg Code. And you're supposed to do adequate animal studies before you go into humans, before you subject anybody to an experiment. You can't do it. And the fact is also, and this is violated across the board in the United States for a long time, which is that if you are invited to be an experimental subject, you know, and in this, with the COVID injections, everybody is an experimental subject, everybody, because they never tested it properly. You have a right to know exactly what the experiment's about, the ingredients and all that, and the doctor, the doctor is responsible for making sure that your consent is totally without coercion, totally freely given of your own volition after you have been told exactly what the risks are. None of that happened 
with these COVID injections. That's why it is the grossest, worst violation of the Nuremberg Code. Now, people ought to think about it. Nuremberg Code was after the Nazi doctors. To violate that puts you close to the Nazi doctors. That's a great way of, of linking it together. And I, my, my next question, Baron, and thank you for sharing that. Sorry about that. Oh, gosh. One second. I'll call you back on Amazon. Okay. This happened on another interview you're on uh, that I listened to, Vera. I thought it was quite funny. You're a busy, popular woman. <laughs> I told you why, because nobody else is allowed to touch it. <laughs> so, oh, well, this, this is, you know, I mean, well, we've shared, we've shared some like pretty heavy stuff. And I want to, I want to give people some hope. What can they do? How can they contribute? How can they have the courage to speak up without? The, the thought of, you know, losing their livelihoods and, and families, you know. Okay. This, I know it's very, very hard. First of all, it's good for them to hook up with some of the groups that are resisting. They, they will feel much stronger. They can, and certainly get, become aware, become knowledgeable. Stop listening to the television. Those are all, they have been bought. In fact, the Biden administration gave a billion dollars to the media to only, only tell positive things about the COVID shots. Why would you have to bribe the media? I thought the media is supposed to give us information, you know, that's real, that's true. No, we're not living in that world now. So first of all, that's number one, is to get information, certainly come to our website and we will... And you took, there are very many other. What is, what is that website, by the way, Vera, while, while we've got you there? AHRP.org. AHRP.org. Right. It stands for Alliance for Human Research Protection. We'll put that in the show notes below. Uh, the other thing is people need to understand that the plan is really very, very dark. Losing a job today may be worth it because you'll lose more than your job if you become a slave. And the, the plan is all laid out and they can read it. You know, it's called the Great Reset. Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum. You can go over there and read the exact thing. You'll see. I'm not making this up. When people, when they try to fluff us off like, oh, conspiracy theories. I wish it was a theory. They are intent on changing our world. And whoever gave them permission to do that. I don't remember a referendum that we voted for that said, you know, you will do you you know you will obey whatever we tell you to do, or else we'll knock you out. The plan is, I mean, you can see parts of that plan in current China. Communist China is a model, of, and it's a harbinger of things to come, and. 
by thinking that you can, oh, you will live normally as long as you're back. No, you won't. They have, you know, it's one step after another. You get one thing after another is taken away from you. Look at what they're doing to children's education. They're, cha they're changing family values. They're changing. They want to get rid of everything that's human. And getting rid of the family, changing sex. I mean, all these things are being pushed. And every one of them has a big, big dollar amount that those who are pushing it are making. None of this is, and all of this is really, it's going backwards. If people agree to digital IDs, that's it. Digital IDs will have everything about you in one place that they can con control remotely. They won't need bayonets. They won't need clubs. They won't need, no. They can put people out simply by starving them, by not you know, taking away their bank account, their charge account, everything, just with a click remote. And you won't even know who's doing it. You won't know who, who, who cut you off. You'll have, you won't have a clue. But that's what the technology today can do. It's surveillance, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, uh, yeah, and children will not be your children, really. They're already conditioning them to obey. It's, it's a horror. It's a real chamber of horrors. And, uh, you know, I just ha had the misfortune of, you know, uh, living it. Even peripherally, because there were, you know, worse circumstances. I mean, we had starvation and fear. That those were the big things. But it wasn't. It wasn't a death camp. So, but death was everywhere. People were dying of starvation. Uh, no, it's very serious, and people really need to think. Is a month of what you call, you know, this. Uh, participation and, you know, sort of where you think it's normal and then they cut off. I mean, the fact that they did it in March 2020, they know now they can do it again. And now they're talking about, oh, there's going to be a terrible flu season. Oh, now they're digging up the flu again. COVID is sort of, yeah, people stopped kind of thinking that they realize that it's not really so bad. So they will come up with others. Look, just think about scientists who work on these bioweapons, essentially on taking a virus and trying to make it more lethal, more lethal. That's what gain of function means. That's what it hides. The title is nonsense. That's all that they've been doing. The government and scientists have been working on that. And the United States is in the forefront. That in itself should tell us, hey, who who allowed this? This is all illegal by international law and our own national law. It's illegal, but it's being done. 
Where can people find you, Vera? I know you touched on the, say, the website again and also the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the best ways to, to because I am inundated. I'm really, I'm bombarded and it's difficult. I don't have a staff. Um, and, you know, just, you know, if, if people want more information, you know, this is what we're trying to do when we're trying to raise a little money as well uh, to, to ha- get help, you know, because it's really, we try to give the information in such a way that people can digest it. You know, that's part of it. Would you just repeat the, the website again one more time? A H R P like Peter dot org. Dot org. And, dot the, org. and the Nuremberg uh, is available on Amazon yeah. as well, but also through. Yeah. But you can download it for free. Nuremberg75.com. There you go. Vera, what concluding thoughts do you have for our audience today? Uh, trust your own judgment, trust your experience, trust your intuition, and trust your moral understanding of what's right and what's wrong. Then you won't be afraid because really this virus has been made into the boogeyman. There's no boogeyman. Take care of your immune system. Try to eat properly. Your immune system is your best defense against viruses or anything else. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, Vera Sharev. Seven days a week and 24 hours. Yup, I got the business saying this one sure is up to something. Why don't you come and listen? Just don't hit the power button. They say I'm crazy when I say I got the superpowers. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this if you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.